WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Father Dwight Campbell here for another Marian Hour on this Wednesday, February 8th, and today is the feast of a couple of saints, Jerome Emiliani, who founded a religious order, and Sister Josephine Bakita, who was at one time a slave and sold many times, was very abused, ended up learning about the Catholic faith and becoming a religious sister, canonized by Pope St. John Paul II in the year 2000, the first Sudanese saint from the country of Sudan. And I'm going to begin the Marian Hour today, as is my usual custom with my favorite Marian prayer, if you would join me in praying the Memorare, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, remained unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are only a few days away from a Marian feast uh, on the 11th of February, this coming Saturday. Uh, we will be celebrating the church, that is. Uh, we'll be celebrating the feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. So I thought I would talk a little bit about that wonderful series of apparitions, 18 in all, that were granted to then a little girl named Bernadette Subaru, who was only 14 years old. Now we know her as Saint Bernadette. And <clears throat> I'm going to begin by way of introduction to this apparition, this or series of apparitions at Lourdes by Our Lady, reading from the papal bull of Pope Blessed Pius IX from 1854, defining the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. And in that papal bull, this is what Pope Blessed Pius IX teaches us. <clears throat> from the very beginning and before time began, the Eternal Father chose and prepared for his only begotten Son a mother in whom the Son of God would become incarnate. So wondrously did God endow her with the abundance of all heavenly gifts poured from the treasury of his divinity that this mother, ever absolutely free of all stain of sin, all fair and perfect, would possess 
that fullness of holy innocence and sanctity, that she would triumph utterly over the ancient serpent. Therefore, we ourselves had, have confirmed by our authority a proper office in honor of the Immaculate Conception and have with exceeding joy extended its use to the Universal Church. This means the Liturgy of the Hours the, um, and celebrating this feast in prayer in Masses. And a beautiful phrase from Our Lady, she revealed herself, as I'll, I'll repeat this again a little later in the show, she revealed herself to St. Bernadette with these mysterious words. When Bernadette asked, who are you? Because she did not know that this was the mother of God. She wanted to be sure. She was instructed by her pastor to ask who the lady was. And when asked who she was, Mary responded with these beautiful, mysterious words, I am the Immaculate Conception. And this was really an affirmation uh, four years later, this was in 1858, that Mary appeared to St. Bernadette many times, uh, really uh, an affirmation, a confirmation of the dogma that had been proclaimed four years earlier in 1854 of Mary's Immaculate Conception. But that phrase reveals even more because Mary didn't tell Bernadette, you know, I'm, I'm Mary, I was immaculately conceived. She identifies, you could say, her very being with this great grace and privilege that she was given at her conception to be conceived immaculately. And this is why she says, I am the immaculate conception. Well, the apparitions, the Marian apparitions at Lourdes ha have been recognized as authentic. And I'll just tell the story about little Bernadette Subaru. She was born in, in 1844. She was the first of six children. Two had died shortly after their birth. So she had three other siblings uh, surviving with her. Uh, her father, Francois Subaru, and her mother, Louise. And Lourdes, if any of you have ever been there in the listening audience, it's, it's a little town. It's grown since then, but back then, especially in the mid-1800s, it was a small town at the foot of the Pyrenees in southern France. And <clears throat> It had only about 4,000 occupants, 4,000 people who lived in this town. And uh, it was, in a way, separated from, from France, just because it was a difficult place to get to. And as a result, those in, in Lourdes spoke their own local dialect of, of French. Okay. And... Um, that's rather significant as well, uh, because when Mary revealed herself 
I am the Immaculate Conception. She spoke in the in the local dialect to Bernadette, so she would she would be able to understand her. And the the Subaru family was poor. Not always. Uh, the, the father had owned a mill, but they, they were not good managers of you could say the business and money. They would uh, they were too kind. They would let people take grain and say, well, you don't have to pay us now. You could pay us later. Well, they ended up going <laughs> bankrupt, so to speak, uh, um, with their mill. They lost it. And in, in the year 1857, uh, the winter of that year, uh, Bernadette's father was really unemployed. He would, he would try to go out and, and pick up work for a day, doing little things here and there, and the family ended up living in an abandoned jail. Okay. I visited Lourdes a couple of times. On, on one occasion, I've, I went out to visit that little jail. I, I stood in the jail. It's a tourist site now where the family lived. One little room and um, a fireplace there. there it was very uh, almost barbaric conditions. And at that time where they were living in, in the, the local jail, um, they really had little food, little firewood. And Bernadette would go out with her sister and, and some others, some other friends who were poor, I, I think, too, and, and gather firewood. Well, um, Moving from the winter beginning in 1857 into 1858, in February, the month we're in, uh, February 11th actually was the date that Mary first appeared to St. Bernadette. Bernadette was gathering firewood with her sister and a friend near the grotto of Masabiel, and she was searching the ground for a dry place to cross over a stream to get near the grotto where uh, she was going to search for firewood. And Mary appeared there in the grotto in a, in a dazzling light, uh, a small young lady dressed in a white veil with a blue girdle, a yellow rose on each foot. And this was the first of 18 visions that Bernadette would receive over the next several weeks and even, even months. And Bernadette uh, told her sister, Marie, that she had seen this lady. She didn't identify her as, as the mother of God, as the Blessed Mother. She didn't really know who this was. And she told her mother about it, too, and her mother... Um, forbade Bernadette to return to the grotto, but uh, after obeying for a few days, um, she and, and her sisters persuaded their mother to let her go back to that place, and Mary appeared to Bernadette again in the grotto. And then on the 18th of February, Word had started to spread in the town of Lourdes, and, and two well-known ladies in the town, they 
went with Bernadette to the grotto to, to see for themselves what was happening. And uh, only Bernadette could see the Virgin Mary, and Mary appeared to her again. And Mary at that time asked her to come another 15 times. Okay? And she promised her um, happiness not in this world, but in the next. Well, two days later, Our Lady taught Bernadette a secret prayer, which she really um, treasured and recited for the rest of her life. And this, I'm going to give Bernadette's testimony, which never wavered. She was interviewed many times. You know, the church is very cautious when it investigates alleged apparitions. And her parish priest and others, you know, they were, they were interrogating Bernadette. Uh, well, many times they, they questioned her as to what she saw, and her, her story was always the same. Okay? It never wavered. And here is uh, a description that Bernadette gives of the Blessed Mother. Okay? She has the appearance of a young girl of 16 or 17. She is dressed in a white robe, girdled at the waist with a blue ribbon, which flows down all along her robe. She wears upon her head a veil that is also white. This veil gives just a glimpse of her hair, then falls down the back below her waist. Her feet are bare but covered by the last folds of her robe, except at the point where a yellow rose shines upon each of them. She holds on her right arm a rosary of white beads with a chain of gold shining like the two roses on her feet. Okay. Well, on February 23rd, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to Bernadette again, and um, she revealed to her three secrets. And we don't know what these secrets contained. They were never revealed by Bernadette. That was February 23rd. The following day, the 24th, um, Mary appears to Bernadette and utters a single word, penitence. So, as so often, like at Fatima, at other Marian apparitions, Mary calls for, for repentance from sin. Okay. Um, in another vision, Mary instructed Bernadette to drink the water of the spring, to wash in it, and to eat uh, the, the herb that, that grew there. And... Bernadette obeyed. She began to dig in the ground. First there was mud, then a little trickle of water soon emerged, and that turned into a little stream, formed a pond from which she drank and washed her face. Um, if any of you have ever seen the, the movie, won the Academy Award in, I think it was 1953 or 1954, the song of Bernadette. Loretta Young played the part of Bernadette. And 
they, they portray this scene very well. I mean, she's washing her face in, in mud, basically, and, and people, the, uh, the, the um, people gathered around watching her, they thought she maybe had lost her mind because, you know, her face is all muddied up, um, but she was obeying Our Lady. And the skepticism of the onlookers uh, soon was eliminated, you could say, dissipated, when healings began to take place. Again, if in, in the song of Bernadette, the movie, um, it's related how this, this man who was, who was blind, he, I think without retinas, he, he's able to see after um, washing in the, in the little stream and, and the pond, the waters there at, um, at Lourdes. And uh, the next day, Bernadette is asked to kiss the ground. The following day, she's asked to tell the priests of Lourdes that they should build a chapel on the grotto. Okay. Well, I'm going to break off here for uh, an intermission, as you were, to let let's, uh, those who advertise on our, our station um, um, make some, some comments, and I'll return in just a couple of minutes. Hello, this is Archbishop Blaise Supich, and I'm pleased to be here at the Pro-Life Rally, the March for Life here in Federal Plaza. And I've been asked the question, why is Catholic Radio important? Well, it's important because we need to get the word out. And more that we can broadcast widely the message of Jesus Christ, we really are doing the mission of the church. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Father Dwight Campbell returning to the second segment of the Marian Hour on this um, eighth day of February of 2023. And 
in preparation, you could say, for the, the beautiful feast that's coming up this coming Saturday, Our Lady of Lourdes, I'm talking about the apparitions by Our Lady to Saint, now St. Bernadette okay, at Lourdes in France in 1858. Um, just to recap a little bit, um, uh, this was four years after Pope Blessed Pius IX uh, proclaimed the dogma of Mary's Immaculate Conception. And as I'm about to relate, um, Mary's messages at Lourdes to St. Bernadette, Bernadette Subaru, at that time, she was only 14 years old, really were a confirmation of that dogma. So let's continue. Okay, we're, I talked about how February 11th, which is the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes, coming up this Saturday, that was the first day that Mary appeared to St. Bernadette. She then told her she would appear a number of more times. Uh, actually, at, at the third apparition, she said, I will ap appear 15 more times, which she did. And in, in the succeeding days, she um, appeared a number of times to St. Bernadette, uh, the next couple of weeks. And <clears throat> on February 20th of 1858, um, a local physician, Dr. Pierre Romain Duzou, um, he evaluated Bernadette, uh, you know, her, her mental state, because this is what um, the church recommends when someone claims to have apparitions, you know, visions from heaven. You want to make sure they're they're basically sane and lucid and not, um, you know, hallucinating. And he, the doctor, uh, stated that there, you know, was no indication of any, you know, mental, emotional problems with Bernadette. So we, you know, go forward now to April, April 7th, 1858. During an apparition, the doctor observed that Bernadette's hand was put over a flame of a candle, and she felt no pain. She was not burned either. So he thought that uh, she was in a state of ecstasy. Okay, But um, this confirmed the heavenly nature of that ecstasy. And as I mentioned in the first segment, you know, Although she was interrogated, questioned, you know, very thoroughly many, many times over the period of months, her testimony never wavered. It, 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 it remained constant, okay, of what she had seen, of what Our Lady had said to her, etc. And as you might imagine, uh, word began to spread about these heavenly apparitions, these visions, and crowds began to get grow larger and larger at the grotto with each subsequent reported vision. On March 5th of 1858, 20,000 people were gathered at this apparition site, the, the, the grotto. And the parish priest, um, Abbe Dominique uh, Pey Ramel, he requested 
that Our Lady give a sign of a rose, a rose bush blooming in winter, uh, sort of like the sign that uh, the bishop in Mexico asked of Juan Diego, okay? Um, give me some heavenly sign. Well, um, no sign was granted. And Father uh, Pei Ramal, he remained skeptical of the authenticity of the visions, um, but still open to their authenticity. You know, he informed the bishop what was going on. Uh, the bishop, uh, Laurence, um, and when Bernadette returned to the grotto on March 25th, now uh, that's an important date, okay, March 25th, because that is the day the church celebrates the Annunciation of the Incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, okay. Um, and the birth as well was announced with the archangel appearing to Mary. This is chapter one of Luke's gospel. So at that apparition, Bernadette, following the instructions of her parish priest, okay, um, asked Our Lady her name. Because Bernadette, you know, up to this time, this is, you know, this apparition is going on now for, you know, well into the second month, March 25th begins on February 11th. And Bernadette never said who this lady was. She never claimed it was the Blessed Mother. And at the instructions of her, her pastor, she asks, what is your name? And Mary responds in her, her native dialect, que soy era Immaculado Conceptu. I am the Immaculate conception. Okay. Now, Bernadette kept repeating the, these words okay, after the apparition over and over again as she makes her way hurriedly to uh, the rectory of the local church in town because she doesn't want to forget what Our Lady said because these words were strange to her. She didn't know what they meant. And so when the pastor, you know, asks, well, did Our Lady reveal her name? And, and, and Bernadette says, well, when I asked her her name, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And the priest was stunned <clears throat> because he knew that 14-year-old Bernadette, who was not well-schooled in her catechism, okay, she wasn't all that, you know, uh, she wasn't a, a sterling student. Uh, she, she couldn't have known what this meant, the significance of those words. Not only relating to the dogma that had been proclaimed four years before <clears throat> of the immac Immaculate Conception, Mary being conceived without sin, filled with grace from the moment of her conception, but as I said in, in the opening segment of today's show, Mary's words, I am the Immaculate Conception. In other words, identifying her very being with this singular grace and privilege. And it was really at that point that her pastor began to believe in her. Okay? 
that that she was, you know, truly seeing Our Lady. Okay, and um, so following Our Lady's request that a chapel be built, um, Abbe uh, Pei Ramal he purchased the grotto and the land around. Um, the land surrounding the grotto in 1861, okay? And um, a number of churches were built over time, and uh, he wanted to improve accessibility for visitors. He began construction on the first of the churches, uh, which is now known as the Crypt. And even today, uh, you know, the grounds and, and the grotto and the grounds around it are owned by the church, and the church welcomes, for any who have been to, to Lourdes, uh, the sick pilgrims and their helpers. Um, having been to Lourdes a couple of times, uh, I can just attest to the beauty of the two processions that take place daily. One in the after, I think it's in late morning or early afternoon, um, it is the procession of the Blessed Sacrament. And the sick gather in the in the crypt, usually, and the Blessed Sacrament is carried, processed around, and uh, significantly, it is at the procession of the Blessed Sacrament that most of the cures take place, the miraculous cures, to just, you know, um, make the point that, you know, it is through Our Lady's intercession, but not through her per se, that miracles are performed. It is through Christ our Lord, okay? And granted, some of the miracles take place, you know, with the um, people going into the waters. I went into the waters uh, on my first visit to Lourdes, um, they have separate little pools for for the men and the women. You know, you disrobe, you get into the pool. Uh, the water's cold, <laughs> I recall. Uh, but um, I, I don't really, uh, well, I was surprised at, you know, getting out of the pool that, you know, th this wasn't that bad. It, it seemed, uh, the cold seemed to dissipate um, in my body after a few seconds. Um, so, uh, as I was saying, there are two processions daily at Lourdes. One is with the Blessed Sacrament, okay, and that's before the sick. And then each evening, and this is, I think, uh, even a more beautiful procession, is the candlelight procession or the torchlight procession. And thousands of people are gathered there every, every day, and... Everyone lights candles and sings songs and prays. Uh, very beautiful, very moving. Um, I'll just mention, you know, a similar thing takes place at Fatima during um, the months when, when um, they're open for processions. There's a procession every evening, a candlelight procession as well. Well, uh, Bernadette Subaru received her final invitation um, to meet the lady at the grotto on July 16th of 
1858. For anyone who knows the significance of that date, okay, July 16th is the feast of uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, okay? And on that date, um, Well, that was the last, the last um, meeting of Our Lady, okay? Um, it was just a couple of weeks later, on July 28th of 1858, that the Diocesan Investigative Commission um, uh, really was established. And they examined the apparitions for the next three and a half years. And after three and a half years, as I was saying, Bernadette was interviewed, interrogated, cross-examined many, many times. Her story never wavered. Uh, the bishop of that diocese of Tarbes um, declared the apparitions to be authentic. Okay. And um, on July 4th, we're going to fast forward now, um, of 1866, Bernadette left Lourdes to join the Sisters of Charity of Nevers in France. She was given the name Sister Mary Bernadette, and she worked uh, really in, in obscurity, okay, as the sacristan in the convent there. Um, she lived in anonymity, humility, calling herself a broom, which Our Lady used but now I have been put back in my corner. Okay. She died of tuberculosis April 16, 1879, at the age of 35. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back shortly with the last segment of the Marian Hour today. an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, my name is Irene Sherapata. My husband Alex and I are volunteers for WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is our family's source of truthful and trustworthy information regarding the Catholic faith, the church, our religion, and state of the world in these trying times. My husband Alex and I are greatly rewarded for our volunteer work at WSFI by working with such lovable and like-minded people and by meeting and hearing firsthand some of our, the most respected, wise, and interesting guest speakers. 
its programmings on healing the whole person, has helped so many and is truly inspired by God. This radio station is really a school of Catholic thought and source of wisdom. We have learned so much, and our faith and love for God has increased so much that we hope to share it with everyone we meet. We hope and pray that WSFI 88.5 FM would soon reach the entire Chicagoland population. You too can help WSFI bring millions of souls to God. See how you can support their effort by calling WSFI Catholic Radio at 224-206-8455 or online at WSFICatholicRadio.org for your donation. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Good afternoon. This is Father Dwight Campbell back for the third segment of the Marian Hour today, February 8th of 2023. And I'll just reiterate once again, you know, we we always need donations to support our programming, especially since um, it's no longer only 88.5 FM. It's it's also now 7.50 a.m., and it's expensive to run this program with our expanded radio listening area. Uh, again, to donate, I'll just say the phone number. You can call in 224-206-8455 or go online and make a donation at wsficatholicradio.org. Okay. Again, WSFICatholicRadio.org. We would appreciate any donations that you can give to support our programming here. Well, I'm going to return to um, the story of Our Lady and her apparitions to Bernadette Subaru at Lourdes, France, back in 1858. Um, You know, I... I left off in the second segment talking about how uh, in 1866, basically uh, eight years after the apparitions ended, um, Bernadette left Lourdes. She went to join the Sisters of Charity at Nevers, France, and she lived um, just an obscure life there. I'll quote her once again. She called herself a broom which Our Lady used, but now I have been put back in my corner. Okay. The other sisters really didn't, didn't know about her uh, apparition. She didn't want to you know, get any publicity, renown for uh, being the recipient of these beautiful messages from heaven and she died on April 16, 1879, 35 years of age, tuberculosis. If any of you have seen the movie The Song of Bernadette, she suffered greatly. Uh, her biographers talk about this. Uh, she, she really did bear the cross um, uh, near the end of her life with her, the, the suffering was very horrible. Um, but uh, she's 
in the kingdom now. And well, um, you know, the, the church, the local bishop affirmed these apparitions, as I said, and uh, that is the diocese, the diocesan bishop. That's uh, the, the normal course of uh, the church's procedure here. The diocesan bishop has, has authority unless it's taken out of his hands. But the, the diocesan bishop, after, after investigating for three and a half years, uh, declared the, the apparitions authentic, the message is authentic as well. And in 1876, um, the Basilica at Lourdes was consecrated, beautiful church. Um, and four years after that, the same Pope, Leo XIII, um, he established February 11th, that was the first day Mary appeared to St. Bernadette. That would be the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes. And it remains that to this day, coming up this Saturday. Uh, Bernadette was beatified by Pope Pius XI in 1925. She was canonized by the same pope in 1933 on December 8th, significantly. Okay, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, which uh, was reaffirmed by Mary's statement, I am the Immaculate Conception. And Bernadette's remains... Um, you know, prior to her, her beatification and, and canonization were exhumed in 1919. Her body was found incorrupt in 1925. Before her, the canonization took place, her body was uh, in a state of near-perfect incorruption. When I, I did make a mistake there. The, um, um, I mentioned that the beatification, um, she was beatified in 1907. Okay. By uh, oh no, pardon me. No, it was it was 1925. Yeah, beatified in 1925. So she her body uh, lies incorrupt. Okay, for pilgrims to 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 see, million millions have come to travel to not only Lourdes but to um, the the convent at Nevers, France, um, the Sisters of Charity there. And uh, the, you can see to this day in a crystal coffin in the convent chapel uh, the incorrupt body of St. Bernadette, Subaru. And popes have gone there. Pope Benedict XVI, who just passed away in 2008, um, the 150th anniversary of the apparitions, he went to um, Lourdes, and um, Lourdes welcomes about 6 million visitors each year. And when the miraculous cures were first being uh, announced, you could say, um, manifesting themselves, uh, the water was tested to see whether it had special minerals in it, some healing power, and it showed nothing special, no measurable measure, uh, measurable levels, I should say, of minerals were found in the waters. And 
Um, in the early days, um, many inhabitants of Lourdes had washed in the waters and claimed miraculous cures. After that, visitors came from all over the world. I, I can remember um, reading a story. It was written by Charles Lindbergh. If you remember uh, those of you who, who should know American history, Charles Lindbergh, he w flew the spirit of St. Louis, the plane, from the first person to cross the Atlantic in a plane from New York to Paris. And Lindbergh wrote up the story about a doctor... Cassell was, I, I believe, his name. He was an atheist, and um, he he helped to develop. Um, I think Charles Lindbergh got to know him uh, because uh, uh, someone in his family, as I recall the story, uh, had a heart condition, and this Dr. Cassell, I think, won a Nobel Prize for his work on on uh, an artificial heart. This was back in um, the 1930s, if I recall. And, um, but he was an atheist. And he heard about the miraculous cures taking place at Lourdes. So he, he decided to travel to Lourdes to see for himself because you know, he was just a, a non-believer. And the story written up, um, and I, I can't recall the title exactly. I was looking for it today. I couldn't find it amongst my, my many books. Uh, a Pilgrimage to Lourdes, I think it's called. I think you can Google it. Maybe Molly could Google Pilgrimage to Lourdes, uh, Charles Lindbergh, and, um, and see if the story will pop up. Um, and if I get the name right, Dr. Cassell, I think it was. Well, he goes to, to, flies into Paris, and he's taking the train to Lourdes because there was no direct flight to Lourdes. And uh, on the train, he, he sees all these people with ailments and sicknesses, and he's really, really pitying them, thinking these, these poor individuals, they're suffering so much, they're making this long trip to... Lords in hopes of, you know, some miracle which will never happen, okay? And he sees one woman who had, I think it was extreme peritonitis. Uh, her whole body was infected, or bloated, her whole body. And they get off the train, and, uh, you know, all these sick are being, you know, transported in wheelchairs, whatever, to to um, the grotto at Lourdes. And this woman with this bloated body, she, she was near death, okay? Um, Dr. Uh, Cassell was her name. The doctor standing by the pool, this woman who has this bloated body, and she's, she's about dead. She's placed in the water, and they take her body out of the water and place uh, a blanket over her. And he sees her body uh, from a bloated condition. He sees this under, under the covers that she's under. Her body begins to return to its normal state. He witnessed a miracle before his eyes, and he had to attest to it. He said, there's, there's no medical explanation for this. Okay. It's a really beautiful story. And... 
Um, well, I'm, I'm going to read here. I've been I've been referring at least in part uh, to uh, oh you. Molly said she's got it up. Maybe you could say something about the that miracle, Molly. The name of the doctor was Alexis Carell. Carell, not Cassell. Carell, yes, Alexis Carell. Okay. And what year was it that uh, he went? Does it say there? In 1903. Oh, it was 1903. Okay. I guess Charles Lindbergh heard about the story later. Okay, he got to know Doctor. Dr. Carell later, and he, doc, the doctor related the story. Now I'm remember, remembering. So uh, I, I, I am reading, at least in part from what I've said today, from a beautiful little book um, you can order um, from Ave Maria Press. That's at Notre Dame, Indiana. Um, it's, it's called Virgin... Mother Queen, and the subtitle is Encountering Mary in Time and Tradition. And it relates many miraculous apparitions over the centuries, um, and it's authored by Dr. Robert Fastigi, who's a professor, a colleague of mine. We're both in the Mariological Society of America. He's the former president a former president of the Mariological Society of America, and he teaches theology at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. And Michael O'Neill, the miracle hunter, okay, uh, they both authored this, and it's done very in very good fashion. Each chapter takes a, a you know an apparition of Mary, and Michael O'Neill relates the history of it, and then Dr. Fastigi. Uh, relates like the theology behind uh, the miracle. You know, he discusses the Immaculate Conception in this book. Um, I'm not going to do that today, but I will discuss um, something that um, is is discussed in the book. Um, and this is actually the part on Lourdes written by Michael O'Neill of how, uh, you know, miraculous claims are are investigated by the church. And at Lourdes, there was established uh, um, the Medical Bureau. Okay. It was formed back in 1905 by Pope St. Pius, now he's a saint, the Tenth, to investigate okay, alleged cures. And, um, and this has to do with the causes of saints as well, because oftentimes when someone is you know their 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 cause has been progressing for you know beatification or sainthood they're venerable maybe servant of god you know people will be invoking these individuals and if there's a miraculous cure well that has to be verified and you know that's one of the conditions for beatification and canonization that there be a miraculous cure so uh, this medical bureau at, at lourdes was established and they use uh, criteria um, uh, that w was established by an Italian cardinal named Prospero Lambertini. And he lived from 1675 to 1758. And he later was the Pope, Benedict XIV. Okay? And he wrote a five-volume work um, on the servants of God, their beatification uh, and canonization. Okay. 
And uh, that criteria that he laid out is still used by the Medical Commission um, for the Congregation for Causes for Saints at the Vatican. And here are the criteria for, for a miraculous cure. The illness must be serious, not liable to go away by human means. The cure must be instantaneous. It can't be over months or years later. Okay, you visit, you know, and and you get cured a year later. Well, that doesn't cut it. It has to be instantaneous. The cure must be complete. For example, uh, sight, complete sight in case of in in a state of blindness, someone was in. The cure must be lasting. It must perdure. Okay, uh, more than ten years for most diseases. Okay. And uh, no other disease or crisis which could have precipitated the cure. So um, the condition, you know, you, you can't have another disease or, or something else that may have um, been a cause for, an unexplained cause for the cure. And there can be no medical treatment that relates to the cure. In cases where treatment has failed or has not yet been administered are the most likely to be considered, okay? Uh, you you get some treatment and you're you know you're it failed they send you home and then you know you you go to Lourdes you you bathe in the waters for example or you know any miraculous cure it has to meet this this criteria okay and in in the book uh, Queen Virgin Mother Queen by Robert Fastigi and Michael O'Neill they talk about a recently approved miracle. 2018, um, the 70th at that time inexplicable cure was announced of a 79-year-old Bernadette Morgeau, a religious sister of the Franciscans of the Oblates of the Heart of Jesus in northern France. For 50 years, she suffered from a condition known as cauda equina syndrome, where you your foot becomes permanently twisted required her to wear a brace, use a wheelchair. 1987, she lost the ability to walk. 2013, she bathes in the waters at Lourdes, returns home, complete cure. Okay. And I just heard within the past week about a priest who was just cured at Lourdes. I can't remember what it was exactly. Maybe um, those of our listening audience may be aware of this. This was put on social media. A priest was cured at Lourdes, and it appears to be authentic. Okay, instantaneous meets all these these criteria. Okay, so um, I'll finish off with about just about two minutes to go. Say something about the words of Our Lady: "I am the Immaculate Conception." I've spoken about this before. Saint Maximilian Kolbe was just uh, mesmerized by those words. You know, what does this mean? And uh, he prayed about this. You know, Mary, reveal to me what what this means about you. And he came to a couple of conclusions. One was that um, Our Lady, he called her the created immaculate conception. Okay, she was a creature, and she's an image, a living reflection of the Holy Spirit, who is the uncreated immaculate conception. In the sense that the Holy Spirit. Um, proceeds from the mutual love of the Father and the Son. You could say he's conceived immaculately in this sense, okay, from all eternity, okay? Doesn't have a beginning, but uh, in this analogical way of, of we, how we use terminology. And Mary um, 
like the Holy Spirit, who receives the Father, the love of the Father and the Son, fructifies it. Mary was super abundantly fruitful by the Holy Spirit, her spouse, conceiving, giving birth to Christ our Lord. Okay. So I'll end um, having said uh, that about uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, who... Um, again, called Our Lady the created Immaculate Conception, the Holy Spirit, the uncreated Immaculate Conception. And let us pray to um, Our Lady under that glorious title, her Immaculate Conception, which we celebrate in a fashion uh, this coming Saturday with the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, where Mary revealed uh, you know, the identification of her very being with this great singular privilege and grace that she was given to be conceived without sin, free from original sin, and filled with grace from the moment of her conception. Okay, this is why the angel greeted her. That's actually one of the scriptural foundations for Mary's Immaculate Conception. Uh, the Archangel Gabriel's greeting um, Hail full of grace. She was filled with grace super abundantly from the moment of her conception, preserved from all stain of sin, never sinned during her whole life either. Okay. She always perfectly responded to God's will in all things. Let us pray to Mary that we may imitate her in that perfect conformity to God's will this day and always. And I'll end with the uh, short and most ancient prayer honoring Mary. We fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our prayers and our necessities, but ever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. And I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.